The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho's The Pot of Thunder and Rock and Roll, and let's do it. The Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. Listen, why couldn't the lifeguard rescue the hippie? He was too far out, man. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Ooh, that was a groaner. Got to give it to Duff, though, as he always delivers no matter what and wherever he is. Thank you, Duff, for the last seven years of always being here every Friday. And thanks to everyone who came to see Fozzie on the Spotlight on America Tour. The thousands of you who came to see us. We wrapped up this past Monday night in Memphis. We had a blast. Now we're getting ready to hit the UK in February, February 16th in Newport, Wales. Spotlight on the UK kicks off. Tickets to the shows and to the VIP meet and greets are available now at fozzyrock.com. You know what we bring to the table. The greatest meet and greet in the business. We hang out with you. We play songs for you. We sign for you. We take pictures with you. Go check out FuzzyRock.com. All right, today on the show, I've got Adrian Gomez, the founder and owner of Middle Kingdom Wrestling and the current Middle Kingdom Wrestling champion, M.A. Middle Kingdom Wrestling is a Chinese wrestling promotion that started in June of 2015. Adrian is originally from Phoenix, but he explains what inspired him to start the company, how he first met M.A., and what it's been like to put on events in China. He talks about some of the foreign wrestlers who've come to China to do MKW events, including AW's own Peter Avalon and former WWE star Zeta Zhang. Adrian and M.A. talk about China, uh, about the, the COVID issues they had, the impact they had on MKW. And they preview the Big Bash of the Bay, the show coming up in January. Basically, it's MKW's WrestleMania. They talk about working with other promotions in Asia and Hong Kong and what it's been like to see MKW's growth. M.A. also talks about his love for wrestling, how he got started, what he used to watch when he was a kid. Here we go. It's a deep dive into Middle Kingdom Wrestling in China with Adrian Gomez and M.A. right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. All right, so uh, a few months ago, we talked about Vietnam Pro Wrestling. And now today, we've got Middle Kingdom Wrestling here from China showing that pro wrestling is all over Asia and the Pacific Rim, and, and we mentioned China as well. Adrian Gomez is here, uh, kind of the boss of Middle Kingdom Wrestling, and MA is the champion. Adrian, why are we even here talking about rest pro wrestling in China today? Uh, please explain kind of what's going on with Middle Kingdom Wrestling and you and, uh, and MA. Well, uh, first, thank you for your continued interest in wrestling from around the world. I think it's amazing that uh, you had Rocky on there. We did, yeah. We actually did a show together uh, in Vietnam. We had an MKW, SPWC show together. And I invited him to China about three, four years ago to wrestle for us. He's a great guy. As for how this came about, about wrestling in China, for me personally, I have uh, two big interests. One is uh, wrestling. I'm a wrestling fan. And number two, I love to travel. And I've always been very interested in exploring off the beaten track kind of places. I was a huge fan of Anthony Bourdain. Right. He did an episode in China. And I was very uh, impressionable at that time when he went to China. I was this, like super fan of his. And he did an episode in a particular city called Harbin. 
And as soon as I saw that, I just stopped everything I did. And I came to China. And it wasn't with the intention of, of doing pro wrestling, but it was to come here and just immerse myself in a culture. It was either China or Vietnam. Which is interesting because we mentioned talking with Rocky uh, in Vietnam. I've been to China a couple times for wrestling with WWE. And it's, it's still interesting to me how how pro wrestling is kind of the the bridge between all of these foreign countries and cultures. You know, like you mentioned, you saw Anthony Bourdain going to China. You went to China. You know, we're talking about Vietnam. We're talking about anywhere in the world where pro wrestling's on TV or people having pro wrestling shows. It's kind of the common denominator, you know, much the same way like Disney would be or Star Wars or something along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. And just to get into the wrestling part of the journey, that just literally just happened because I just... I want one of the things I brought with me uh, when I moved 6,000 miles to the east was my wrestling fandom. Uh, I was still a fan. I came to China to teach English. And one very interesting thing to me about China was its wrestling scene or lack thereof. I just kept, you know, as I was watching, and I'm sorry to say this, but in China, especially in the early days of China, WWE events, they were all streamed, obviously, illegally. Every every event, every pay-per-view was up within seconds in China. And sometimes uh, I think MA can cooperate with this, right? Any any fan can watch anything about WWE in China very easily and for free, especially many years ago, right? Right. And uh, that also led me towards being like, okay, there's got to be a Chinese wrestling scene, right? There's got to be. And there was just hints of, you know, one-time shots. For example, uh, Gabe Sapolsky... I think it was like in 2013 or 2014, he did a tour. Uh, I think it was Evolve Wrestling. They came here. Um, of course, WWE did a few tours, but there was nothing really, as like you know, nothing major as far as uh, the local scene. However, through my research of uh, Chinese wrestling scene, I was able to connect with a few individuals. One of them was uh, a, res- a, a wrestler named Ho Ho Loon. Uh, Ho Ho Loon, uh, is a Hong Kong wrestler who actually was the first Hong Kong wrestler to be signed by WWE. Yeah, I've heard that name, yeah. But he was very helpful uh, around 2015. Uh, I was about five years into China, and I was like, I have this idea. I want to do this wrestling organization. And he's like, you know what? I'll help you. Anything you need, I'll help you. I got a ring. I got all this stuff. And then I'm like, I need wrestlers. And he's like, I know a guy who's got wrestlers. And uh, he introduced me to a guy named The Slam. And The Slam is kind of like... Um, the Chinese version of Goldberg, you know, he trained like a lot of students and speared and jackhammered them uh, in his ma- in his makeshift ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of these guys happens to be M.A., by the way. And um, when I did my first event, that's when I met M.A. I, I, uh, he was going to work the first event, but uh, unfortunately, he couldn't work the first event because something happened. Well, let's talk to M.A. here. How did you get into being a wrestler in the first place, M.A.? Yeah, you know, wrestling, uh, pro wrestling in China is like um, way, way less people knows about pro wrestling in China. The that time that I um, want to be a wrestler, so I first heard about pro wrestling as I was uh, fourth grade, like ten years old. So one of my um, best best friend, my best classmate, came up to me and he said, "Like, um, yo, I'm John Cena, you Undertaker, let's fight. <laughs> said, All right, let's fight." But in that time, I don't even know about who is John Cena or Undertaker. <laughs> I, I got a weekend. I go home. I get to my mom. I said to my mom, like, um, yo, mom, I'm Undertaker. And mom just hit me in the face like, kid, you never say that again. Because Undertaker is <laughs> not a good name. I said, okay. But still wondering who is Undertaker. So I search on on internet, like searching for WWE. And I really attracted by WWE, I really attracted by wrestling, by Undertaker, and I started watching wrestling match each week. Till I was um, 12 years old, I was in the middle school, and I become uh, rebellious, I become a bad kid, and I used to fight with my He was really bad. Like, he was, (laughs) this kid, he grew up too quickly, because when I met him, he was 15 years old, he was already 6'5". Oh, wow. I think you already had tattoos then, you were a <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a badass. I a, yeah. And I, I fight with my friend, I fight with my classmate. And before that or after that, I used to 
talk something tough like yo one day i will cold break you <laughs> all my all my customers think yo this guy's out of his mind it's crazy it's always about <laughs> two stone cold breaker or power slam all day it must be crazy and it goes like okay yeah yeah in in that time i watched a yes move i watched uh a chris jericho versus fandango in the wrestlemania man i think oh that's where we good that's too dope i need to be wrestler i want to be a wrestler <laughs> so i searching for chinese wrestling online and i see a company called cwe in that time it's the first uh wrestling company the first training center in in china so i asked my mom just finally my mom said yes you can go I, i've been trained and talking about me and mkw is like uh the start for NKW is almost uh, the same time as start of my career. It's 2015, the first NKW shows. In that time, I already been training to be allowed to have a match. So Adrian booked me. And my opponent, my first opponent is the uh, one of the most popular wrestler in China, Ho Ho Lun. Right. And I'm really excited. Man, I'm gonna face to Ho Ho Lun in my first ever show. I'm just uh, training all day, really look for it. But <laughs> the bad things happen in, in the really first show. So the day just before the show, we are practice. We are practice so hard, and I um, broke my arm. No, where we stupid move. Yeah, he broke his arm about two hours before the show. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It sounds like me and Smoky Mountain Wrestling when I broke my arm two hours before the show. It's terrible. How did you break your arm before the show? Yeah, we just practice. We just practice. And it's a stupid move. I don't know how. I'm too nervous or something. I just broke my arm. Dang. Yeah. I remember I was standing over them while they're practicing. He's like, he's like, I want to do this move on you, ho ho. He did the move and he just wouldn't. And then he just stayed lying down. Oh. I'm like, are you okay? He's yeah. like, I broke my arm. <laughs> oh my gosh it's really uh, suffocating it's really suffering to in that time I was 30 years old it's uh where we suffering to a 30 years old boy who really wants to wrestle so i watched a guy who replaced me and it's wow suffering in that time yeah yeah i call my mom like i started thinking about quitting i call my mom like mom i want quick something and mom just said oh i already we're spending for your school. And if you come home right now, I will broke you another arm. Like, <laughs> okay, mom, I'll keep going. <laughs> I'll keep going. <laughs> keep your going mom was ready to, be, to lay the smack down on you. <laughs> <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Adrian, let me ask you a question. Where, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, so let's go back to when uh, when you first came to China. Did you come to China with the intention of living there permanently? I came to China on a year contract at an English school. And my intention was actually to go to Vietnam after that. And then I ended up uh, meeting my girlfriend. And then mm. two years later, we're married and we're still married. Um, so this is why I've lived in China for so long um, and why I've kind of, you know, focused a lot on China because my family is here now. And this is also an opportunity as well to to you know to focus on the Chinese market specifically. So when you first uh, started thinking about doing some wrestling, uh, running a wrestling company in China, how do you how do you start that? What are the rules and regulations in China? Obviously, it's a different society; it's a different culture. Tell us some of the the trials and tribulations you had to get something like this off the ground. Because when we went to China with WWE, not once but twice. It's such a huge population, but not a lot of wrestling fans. Neither of the shows that we did were all that were all that full. So kind of how did you start approaching it and, and, and what did you have to do to get the company up and running? Well, I think first was be able to gain trust from 
the few people that are doing wrestling in China, the few that were doing it before me, either training or or promoting or or doing like internet shows. The first thing I had to do was gain their trust. You know, if I'm an American coming in trying to run a wrestling company in China, there's a lot of respect that you have to pay towards domestic culture. And I would say that in the beginning, my main objective was to visit all these people, the few people that were running China, that were trying to do pro wrestling in China and pay their respects and show that, you know, I would like to work together with them. Right. That took about a year of planning. I traveled quite a bit uh, to meet with all these individuals that had, you know, some connection towards Chinese wrestling. It was probably about, like I said, around a year. And then that's when I felt comfortable to go, you know what, let's try it. First, let's build the brand. You know, let's release a logo. Let's pay for a website. Let's get a video guy. Let's get a, an actual wrestling ring. Because unfortunately, uh, due to, as we know, Chinese wrestling is just developing. There's still sometimes due to budgetary reasons, you'll see people wrestling in like boxing rings or bar floors. Yeah, yeah, mats. Yeah. Gym mats. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, you know, and that was kind of one of my most important things to me. I'm like, we want to make sure we get a ring first, get invest in a ring, partner up with people who have rings. And then I would say it was a relationship thing. You kind of wanted to make sure that everybody kind of, you know, when you explain the brand to them and what my, at that time was very, very small, was just me. Uh, what my vision was, and hopefully get people to feel that they're a part of it, that they're a part of this movement that is Chinese wrestling. And we're going to build it grassroots style. We've been very fortunate, I think, through a combination of like hard work, of course, but also a lot of things just kind of fell in our place where we've had a lot of great opportunities to, you know, we've, we've ran like a lot of very successful events, had a lot of successful partnerships. We've toured like Nepal, obviously Vietnam, South Korea, Malaysia, Singapore. There's, there's been quite a lot of momentum that we were able to, to gain with uh, uh, from MKW in the last like eight years. So MA, when you were, were thinking about wrestling, did you go to any of the shows? Did you go to the shows that when we came to China, were you in the area at all? One times, just one times. That's how you're not, you're not, you're not coming in that time. I gotcha. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Was that the World Expo show? The one where yeah. you did you go to that one? So you did go we to the World there. Expo one. So so the the World Expo show, I think they had like the London Symphony Orchestra and there's like a couple like you know government sponsored shows from around the world and WWE was one of them. So we went to an arena. We were told it was sold out. And we went to the arena. The arena was completely empty on the lower bowl. There was only like a some government officials here, like on the on the side. Then the upper deck was full of people. They were going crazy, but here was nothing. And what we heard is that the government bought all the tickets because they were scared that people would get into fights and riot because oh. they would see us in the ring fighting and want to fight themselves. So they <laughs> said it was sold out, but there was nobody there. It was a completely empty arena except for the upper deck which was where, I don't know, maybe a 1,000 fans or 2,000 fans, but the rest of the place was completely empty. And it looked like something out of a James Bond movie where all the dignitaries were sitting at these tables with like the the bunting on it, like the, the paper uh, decorations just kind of watching. So I don't think people really understood what pro wrestling was. The government certainly didn't, for sure. And to follow up on uh, what you said about people not understanding what pro wrestling is. You know, that was actually one of our first objectives with MKW. You know, I think something unique that we would do versus other organizations like outside of China is we would actually start the event with an explanation of the rules. So we get like the cadets, like like the students and they would be like, this is a pinfall and this is a one, two, three. And, and you know, if he counts to three, that's the end. This is a submission. We'd actually start off our events explaining to people this is how you kind of interact with us. Thankfully, I would say that uh, wrestling today, I would say through a combination of like the local organizations here in China, but also through the penetration of like WWE. Actually, but by the way, is I know you represent AEW, but AEW is really popular on uh, Billy Billy. I'm not sure if you're familiar, if you know uh, Shane Emerson, who's like the he it works for AEW as the uh, 
global distribution president. I, I sent them screenshots just to let them know, hey, by the way, AEW is like being streamed illegally and no one's doing anything about it. Uh-huh. And there's like a million views per episode of Dynamite. <laughs> What's know? Billy Billy? You mentioned Billy Billy. What's that? Oh, Billy Billy is like a Chinese YouTube. Oh, okay, gotcha. You know, there's like Yoku, Billy Billy, uh, Tencent Video, these kind of uh, video platforms. Yeah, I did let uh, AEW know about that. And actually that resulted in a, I got invited to the their Phoenix show. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think you guys, you guys were in Phoenix in March, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the main things that I was like exchanging emails with uh, Jeff Jarrett and Shane Emerson about this. Like I said, maybe we can do something about it. I would like to do something about it. But anyway, today, wrestling in China is known as WWE. So if, if anybody sees like a, like a move, like a wrestling move, I would say most youth do know. I mean, they'll say, oh. WWE, like it has penetrated significantly more than when I was here 13 years ago. People know what wrestling is. So they started to figure it out, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, MA, um, when did you have your first match? Yes, 2016, and it's the uh, second MTW show. So when you were training, how did you train? Did you guys have a ring to train in? For uh, and, and did you... And who was your actual trainer that was showing you how to learn how to pro wrestle? Yeah, it's the slam. The slam is my first. The slam, right, right. Gotcha, gotcha. And we got a, a wrestling ring, slam making ring. So we got a ring. Wow. Yeah, but it's, you know, uh, it's not a good ring. No. <laughs> so Adrian, when you started, let me ask you the same question. Where was your first show and when was your first Middle Kingdom wrestling show? And Middle Kingdom is actually what China means, Correct? China means Middle Kingdom? Yeah. So if you look at the, the character of China, it's a Zhong, yeah. middle, and then Gua, that's the second character. So it's like Middle Kingdom. Ah, okay. Got it. That is a literal meaning. It's kind of interesting just on that topic. For example, like America in Chinese uh, is Mei, Gua. And if you look at the direct meaning, it means beautiful country. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, but as far as our first event, our first event was the one where uh, we spoke earlier about where he broke, where MA unfortunately broke his arm. That was in July of 2015 in a city called Dongguan, China. And what we did was like we, 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 over two days, we filmed like several episodes, try to turn into like half hour programs to release for like the next, mm, I think it was about like, like seven weeks. And then we recorded again. When we recorded again, that's when MA uh, fortunately was able to, uh, have his first match eventually. How many shows do you do like on a month or in a year or kind of what's your schedule look like? Well, prior to COVID, we were doing about, we we're doing a show every other month. And then during COVID, you know, I think you've seen in the media and there's some truth to it, but also the zero COVID uh, policy kind of made it, you know, for almost three years, for more than two years, it was really difficult to do a lot of events. So we ended up creating an episode, again, going back to our own, first idea, which was called MKW Blast Off. And, but this time we had a much bigger production by our standards, at least. We were able to produce about 50 episodes of this online episodic show. We got a deal with Yoku. You know, that was actually something that kept us sustainable for a while during uh, zero COVID. Since the release of the zero COVID lockdown in China, this year we've only had two events and our next show is on January 27th. Kind of like our WrestleMania, we call it like Bash at the Bay. Uh, so it'll be a Bash at the Bay three. So right now we that's our current schedule. We're looking at one big one to start off January, and hopefully we can go back to our every other month schedule because zero COVID actually ended in a very surprising manner. It, it was just November. It was January, right? January was like, it just suddenly just completely lifted. We were all totally surprised. But thankfully, we were able to have like a really, our first like sold out event in Shanghai. We brought Yoshitatsu for that one. He was like the first wrestler to be granted a visa since zero COVID. Actually, when China did the lockdown, they weren't granting visas for anybody for about two years. Mm. But Yoshitatsu was one of the first ones uh, for the purpose of wrestling. We're, We're looking forward to doing our next Bash at the Bay event on January 27th. And we're kind of putting all our eggs in one basket with that one as far as like our resources. Uh, We hope to have a really, really big show and invite a lot of great talent. 
Talk about zero COVID because China was obviously hit very badly. What exactly does zero COVID mean? Uh, basically, that meant if there was one case of COVID, like just one, then the whole city would have to shut down for uh, until it was eradicated. Oh my gosh! Uh, completely. Oh yeah. Even if the city had thousands of people, one one case, the whole city. Yeah, I mean, there is no city in China that doesn't have millions of people. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm sure that there are countless cities. That most of us have never heard of that have, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten million people. So if you had one case out of five million, the whole city would have to shut down. Yeah. Yeah. For about two weeks. Oh my gosh. Wow. You cannot go out. You just stay at home for two weeks. That must have been very hard to do, especially when there's so many people in China. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when we're trying to run a wrestling organization. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the least of your worries at that point, right? For sure. It was a difficult period. And we were actually expecting it to go well into 2023. Like, I, I planned for it. Like, I think we're all, but it's suddenly overnight. They're like, no more zero COVID. Everybody, you're free. It's like, that kind of caught also our schedule off guard. We're like, oh, we didn't prepare for this. Like, <laughs> so we can do anything now? Like, anything? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's talk about your shows themselves. Like when you mentioned the Bash in the Bay how do you decide what city to go to? How do you get the word out? How do you promote it? Well, China operates within its own internet like firewall. If we're going to promote so on social media, you know, we're not promoting on YouTube. We're not promoting on Twitter. We're not promoting on Facebook. We're promoting on Weibo. We're promoting on WeChat. Uh, we're promoting on QQ. These different kind of platforms. So one of the main things is I have to make sure, you know, we have uh, a good marketing team for that controls the China side and one that controls the, the other side of the internet firewall. Hmm. Because there are several, several uh, people in China that of course, you know, they, they still use Facebook, expats in particular, they still use uh, international platforms or, you know, one of the ways to get the word out of course is to focus on the expat communities because they often know what pro wrestling is. That's usually, uh, one that gives us pretty good results. Number two is the internet wrestling community in China. Uh, it's small, but it's very, it, we, we're very in tune with, with what they, getting our message out to them. Um, and given the size of China, you know, we've been able to attract fans in Harbin, in the northeast of China, the south of China with Shenzhen and Shanghai and across many, uh, many cities across uh, China. I can't tell you offhand how many, but maybe around like 10 cities. But our, our main focus is Shanghai and Shenzhen. Mm. Uh, Shenzhen, because it's actually right on the border of Hong Kong. So we can attract uh, wrestling fans from Hong Kong and also Guangdong fans, which Guangdong is the southernmost province of uh, China. Uh, and they have a history of being wrestling fans versus all the other provinces. One reason is because Guangdong TV used to host WWE. Uh, is that correct, MA? Yeah. We have to work on two different kind of sides of marketing, one for kind of like expats and the other for Chinese. Interesting that, that yeah, there's kind of two masters that you have to serve. What, what are, is there any kind of like permits that you have to get to run the shows? I mean, what's it like to run a business in China as far as from a, from a legal standpoint, from a government standpoint, because China still has a lot of government uh, involvement in a lot of different things. When it comes to regist uh, registering for an event, you know, in particular sports. So we usually we usually uh, say that we are sports and culture. And when you do sports, there's actually quite a bit. It's actually quite more open and there's less, I guess you could say, red tape. Mm -hmm. uh, when you are doing sports versus doing something like culture. So we promote ourselves as sports officially. Obviously, we, you know, it's pro wrestling. So there's always going to, you know, it's entertainment um, and performance art. But we are able to connect better through 
red tape if we say we're a sports organization, uh, because that actually kind of simplifies it quite a bit more as far as uh, being able to get permits, uh, running buildings, and also getting the proper certificates to uh, uh, an approval from the right from the right government uh, bureaus. Ma, who who are some of the the your your rivals in China that you have to wrestle, and how many other wrestlers are there to work with? Are there are there a lot of wrestlers in China, or just a few that you work with all the time? Tell us about that. There will be more wrestlers right now before the you know a few years ago because um, a lot of people be trained, but the problem is some kind of wrestler, they are not a really wrestler because they only got like few trained and they tell uh, everyone his wrestler. Right. I think there's uh, like 20 or 30 Chinese wrestler in China and it's uh, like 15 uh, foreign wrestler in China. So there's a lot of foreign wrestlers in China. Yeah. Most of the show needs to uh, foreign wrestlers come in because in China's fans, they don't want to see like a Chinese face to Chinese. They want to see Chinese uh, beat the foreigners. You know? Beat the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So who are some of the foreigners that you work with, Adrian? These are guys you've worked with, right, Emma? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Adrian walked with. In 2018, we invested in a uh, wrestling school for the first time. And uh, we brought our lead trainer, Zombie Dragon. Zombie Dragon is, uh, in my opinion, one of the most talented wrestlers in the world today. We're very fortunate to have him live in China and be able to teach his craft and also be a regular performer for our events. Uh, we also have a group of foreigners, Evil Stable, called The Stable. They are uh, Big Sam from the UK, Uncle Money from Atlanta, Ash Silva from California, uh, and they have a manager from Hong Kong and a female manager from Russia. Uh, and they are like our, you know, our ongoing uh, villains event to event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, as MA said, there's definitely a craving to see. I think it's a combination of a few things. I think it's not necessarily that people want to see Chinese beat Americans or British people. It's also the fact that it's interesting to see uh, foreign talent, you know, um, for a lot of Chinese uh, that don't live in like major metropolitans like uh, Shanghai or Beijing, uh, they don't get to see foreigners that much. Right. So I think that also is a big attraction point. Um, but yes, I mean, if, if the Chinese beat them, that's even better. So you're saying that people don't see foreigners in general, like not just foreign wrestlers, but just foreign people uh, in some of these other cities. Yeah. So, you know, th- that's why we have... I guess you could say invested a lot of our like main stories, our main, you know, our, our shows around these foreigners, because besides them being, they are genuinely, uh, and I'm not just being biased, maybe I'm just being biased, but you know, they are genuinely talented wrestlers, but also they're foreigners and they really can fill that role as an attraction uh, as part of the, of the whole event package. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There's a, um, a, a couple Chinese wrestlers in the States. I'm thinking of Zeta Zhang, like somebody like, is there, who, who would you like to bring in to, to MKW from the States, uh, from Japan, from around the world? There's certain names that you think you'd like to bring in that would help build your name value of the company. You said certain Chinese wrestlers from from around. Well, I'm, I know I just I'm just brought up the name Zeta Zhang because I know she she is Chinese. She's, she's worked with us quite a bit. Uh, has she? Well, tell us about that. Yeah, Zayda Zhang, um, she is, um, she's awesome. She actually has uh, come to China for MKW about four or five times. We've, we've brought her over. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's just always a class act and always a really great attraction to our fans. On top of that, she's a great wrestler too. So mm. I, I really enjoy working with her. I brought her also to, not just to China, I brought her to an event in Nepal. And Nepal, we did this event. Uh, we did this event with the government. 
we wanted to show like a China and Nepalese friendship, you know? So I just like, okay, we'll tag like a Chinese with a Nepalese. Uh, and I had Zeta fill that role for us. That was really an amazing opportunity for, for her, I think. I think she really cherished that, but also for all of us, because like we, had, we like got to sit with like the president in Nepal because of wrestling, which was interesting. Wow. Um, you know, I was actually, yeah, the whole event, I was right next, you know, I, we had like this special chair, I was sitting right next to him. And then like after the event, he gave us like medals, you know, just like represent China and Nepal friendship. Yeah, uh, but besides like Zeta, uh, I've also had um, Peter Avalon. Oh, wow. I've had him come over. I love Peter. Yeah, Peter's great. By the way, side note, I popped so hard during your uh, your little promo. I think it was in Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. It was in Phoenix when uh, I can't remember exactly the details of it, but you hit him. You Judas affected. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I challenged somebody to come from the back or something like that, or Ricky Starks did. He came out and I nailed him, yeah. I was so excited for that. I was, yeah, yeah, I was really excited to see that. But, uh, um, yeah, we've had, uh, we've had, are you talking about like other wrestlers that I have brought or what would I ideally like to bring? Well, give us both. Tell us some that you have brought and some that you would like to. Yeah. Peter, uh, Yoshitatsu was right. one recently. I had, I didn't bring him, but he did tour here and we worked adjacently. Peter Dunn. He was here for like three months while I was doing MKW, but he's working for another play. Pete Dunn from, from England. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, Hikaru Shida, I, I got to meet her through through Hoholoon booking her for an event. Um, so she came a few times, Hikaru Shida. But as far as like MKW, I would say our biggest names are, yeah, Zayda Zeng and Yoshitatsu and Peter Avalon. Those are names, like names that we've brought. But there's also names in the region we brought recently, we, uh, during our Shanghai show, we brought uh, Nor Phoenix Diana, who is the first ever hijab wearing pro wrestler. Oh, wow. Nor Phoenix Diana, she's from Malaysia and she's, she wears a hijab while she wrestles. And she's actually like a really big deal. Like she's sponsored by Marvel. She was on Forbes 30 under 30. Hmm. That was one of the, one of the, one of the uh, I was really excited to, to work with her finally uh, in Shanghai. As far as who I would ideally like to bring, probably, I don't know, Chris Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's my budget? I don't know. <laughs> so is it expensive to bring in wrestlers from the States? Obviously, you have to pay for their plane ticket and, and all that sort of thing. Uh, is I would imagine going to China uh, is not the cheapest trip to make. Uh, it's like $1,500 round trip. Okay. But there's also, you got to make the visa... It, it, it's not, I mean, I want to say it's like, a, I don't want to say like it's cheap. It's not, uh, not for me, but yeah, I mean, we are open towards hopefully going back to uh, speaking with uh, either Peter Avalon again. I've talked with him recently and I asked him like, you know, what do you think about coming back to China? So there are a few guys that I would consider uh, doing the flight for, for sure. What kind of crowds are you drawing? Adrian, you mentioned that you want to sell out the uh, Bash at the Bay. What kind of a crowd would that be? 400. And, that, and then obviously they're paying for the tickets and then and that's enough revenue to be able to sustain the show. 400 would pay for this show um, for Bash at the Bay. But we also try to gain income from other ways. For example, for our Shanghai show, we were able to profit from the show, not from the tickets, but we were able to profit from the show from cutting a deal with the uh, a VR, uh, you know, ByteDance. ByteDance is the uh, parent company of TikTok. Okay. And they purchased our event. So they're your sponsor. Yeah. So they purchased the event for the VR rights of the film, of the show. They they invested in a new company that buys VR content. So we recorded, like, we sold them the first ever VR pro wrestling show. Gotcha. And those are, like, you know, the kind of opportunities that we kind of, we look for um, when we run shows. That's why we like to book well in advance. So we can say, hey, we have this show coming up and then we can kind of pitch it to all these partners and uh, hopefully some of them can bite. M.A., have you wrestled uh, only in China? Have you wrestled anywhere else uh, in, in any other country? Yeah, wrestling in Japan. I used to train in Japan. I trained in pro wrestling Noah, uh, Dodon Bleep Pro Wrestling, Osaka Pro Wrestling. Yeah, I used to wrestle in Japan. Oh, wow. How did you like wrestling in Japan? Yeah, it's good. Really good uh, experience in Japan. I get teached by a, a very great wrestler, and I uh, met wrestler that 
my role model wrestler, you know. Who is that? Uh, Malo Fuji. Ah, okay. Nice. Yeah. Skila, Malo Fuji, Kobashi Kenta. I love them. It's really, really good. When uh, I know in Japan, the tattoos are kind of like a little bit forbidden, but in China, you have many tattoos on your hands. So are tattoos a little bit more accepted in China than they are in Japan? Yeah, it's uh, almost same as Japan. So when I w- was in Japan, I go to the, the shower room, you know. Bathhouse. Bathhouse, yeah. Yeah, 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 the bathhouse. Yeah, and they got like two different kind of bedhouse for, for, for people. So one is normal, the second is for the uh, gangster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I go with my friends and they, they all go to the normal one and I need to go to the, you know, gangster. <laughs> yeah, <so>. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. But, but in China, tattoos are okay though. Um, no. Oh. Not-, not on national TV, but on like streaming services, yes. Okay. You know, like uh, on streaming services, so far is okay. But on national TV, yeah, those would have to be covered up for sure. They still associate that with the gangsters, like like Emma said. <laughs> Adrian, do you speak Chinese? How, what do you think of my Chinese level, Emma? It's funny because, like, I want to say I speak Chinese. Yeah, you speak Chinese. You're doing real good in Chinese. Oh, nice. Yes. Oh, thank you. How, how did you learn? Wrestling. Uh, dealing with these guys. Really? Most of my guys don't speak English, so I got I to gotta speak Chinese. Oh, I can understand that. Yeah, I really. I would say, like, through my circle being mostly Chinese, we're in the thick of it. We're doing wrestling in China, and, you know, we got there's a lot of situations. You got to think fast. You got to think quickly. You know, there's a lot of schematic noise. I'm talking about cultural barriers, language barriers, and so on. I just wanted to step up so that if there's a mistake... It's not because they communicated incorrectly with me. It's because I didn't make myself clear. So that's why I wanted to learn Chinese. That's kind of fair to the people around me. Emma, how did you learn how to speak English? I learned uh, in school, national school, uh, when I was a kid. So that's something that's that's taught pretty much in in school for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My teacher is uh, American, but I don't like studying. So I used to doing wheel sucks in English. But when I get into progressing, I learn from the forest wrestler. I learn from Adrian. Like, yeah, I learn from wrestling. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. As we start to wind down here, Adrian, you said that you went to Nepal. What was Nepal like uh, as a country? Because when I think of Nepal, I'm thinking Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's all snowy and there's just little cabins of people hanging out drinking shots. Like, what's it like there as a country? You know, Nepal looks like it does in the movies. That is one, like, that is accurate. It's really an incredible culture. What's really interesting about it is uh, I was surprised. You know, I thought because the people, uh, a lot of people, um, they kind of look like they relate more towards Indians. However, they're very Buddhist. You know, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, If you ever fly to Nepal, get a window seat because... When you look down and like the, you know, before you hit the capital city, Kathmandu, you'll never see anything so spectacular. Mm. When you look down and you see all those mountains and you see the snowy uh, tops on them and it's just incredible and wonderful. And, you know, that's actually one of the best things about wrestling uh, so far is that I've been uh, not, not just been able to travel these other places, but also try to find room for cooperation between countries. It's not just like Nepal that we had a co-op. Actually, last year, we got funded by the State Department, uh, the United States State Department. We did a, an MA was a part of this. There was a proposal by the, the U.S. Embassy in China uh, to do a pro wrestling like friendship thing between China and America, uh, maybe to, to reduce tensions, perhaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I really, was really grateful that like, they were able to ask us 
to do to help in that initiative. We did the the first ever U.S. Sino Pro Wrestling Friendship Tour. It's like a friendship between China and America. Wow. Yeah, MA uh, teamed up with an American versus uh, a wrestler named Black Mamba and Zombie Dragon. So in this case, it was like America and China teaming up against America and China. It was like a friendly battle uh, to show you know what can happen, what's possible when countries cooperate and have you know, positive diplomatic ties. You know, the Nepal show, when you talk about that, that was like also one of the most meaningful things I've ever done when it comes to, you know, incorporating wrestling and peace and prosperity and hopefully diplomacy. I want to continue to 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 do those kind of uh, unique uh, and meaningful projects in the future. Last few th- things, Adrian, H- how do you want to build Bash at the Bay? I mean, you mentioned that you want it to be one of your biggest shows that you've had. Uh, you mentioned you're going to promote it within the Chinese system of social media and and, and streaming and that sort of thing. Uh, what do you have in mind for 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 the show itself, for the card, for the for the matches? You have a kind of a master plan on what you want to do with it. Yeah. Um, so this event is uh, it's our third event of the Bash of the Bay brand, and Bash of the Bay is is actually a reference to a special economic zone within China. Hmm. So the Bay Area is a special area that com- it contains Hong Kong, Macau, Guangzhou, Shenzhen, uh, among other cities. And we want to, my plan in particular for this event is to really lean into all of these cities as far as well, that we're celebrating the Greater Bay Area. We're celebrating the Greater Bay Special Economic Zone. And therefore, we can hopefully be able to team up with with valuable partners uh, in the government, with valuable partners in media, and also with the expat community. It's funny you ask that because I recently, I just recently uh, paid for a membership to the American to the U.S. Commerce uh, of South China because I really want to use utilize every resource I can. Uh, it's a, like a membership only thing, so I'm like, it was attractive to me because I feel like a lot of the people within the U.S commerce of South China contains a lot of like-minded entrepreneurs, people with business, uh, with like a very business mentality, especially uh, in something as unique as wrestling, right? Mm. That will be one part of it. As far as the, the card itself, I think Yoshitatsu will do will do great for us again. Uh, he'll be facing Big Sam. We also will have uh, M.A., we have a special match for him. I, I, can't, I haven't told him. We plan on doing an intergender match with uh, Hibiscus Me uh, from Japan and Crystal, who's the queen of Philippine wrestling. Which, by the way, Chris Jericho, I really hope uh, if you continue to be interested in the whole developing wrestling nations, I think these are all would make fantastic uh, candidates on your show. I'm just kind of putting that out there. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Crystal from the Philippines, uh, she'll be coming. We got Andrew Tang from Singapore. Andrew Tang's a great guy. He's uh, been running Singapore Pro Wrestling, probably one of like the pinnacles of Southern, Southeast Asian wrestling. We'll be teaming up with the NTW and New Taiwan Wrestling. So we're really just trying to pull up all the stops we can from like inter-regional wrestling. Mm-hmm. By combining our our partnerships with all these companies, that's why this time we're bringing Singaporeans, Japanese, uh, Filipinos, and and just trying to and also emphasizing the China Greater Bay Area. So uh, hopefully that will be the big thing that will help us to sell 400 tickets and also attract more interested uh, media partners. Ma, I see you have a, a title belt behind you, a championship belt. You're the champion, right? Yeah. Who did you win that championship from? I get it from Ring, which is a bad, bad wrestler in China. <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> so, so last question for you guys. Uh, M.A., what's your favorite match that you've ever had? And Adrian, what's your favorite match from the history of Middle Kingdom Wrestling? But you start, M.A., your favorite match. Yeah, my favorite match is uh, with Bufa. With Bufa, with a boombox in uh, MKW Blast Off is my uh, favorite match. I love Bufa. Bufa is my boy. And Bufa doing strong style. I love strong style match. So it's my favorite match. Was that the, 
the last man standing or the uh, yeah last man standing last man standing match yeah Ufa is an American wrestler he has a long history of wrestling in the United States uh, he used to wrestle for CZW with the uh, All Money Is Legal All Money Is Legal he's part of this tag team yeah um, and man like he's incredible talent we're lucky that he lives here in China <laughs> very <laughs> very handy hand to have and uh, M A I I would say kind of brought the best out of you. Yeah. Adrian, what's the best match you've ever seen in NKW history? Okay. Uh, I would say the best match we've ever had in MKW was a four-on-four match. And I think one of the reasons why I like it so much is because just the amount of, like, which I call inter- international events. So I'll name the, I'll, you know, I'll put over everybody in the match. On one side, we had uh, Big Sam, Uncle Money, Fujiwara, and Crystal from the Philippines. And the other side, we had Gutsy Shijima, Jason Wong, Veni from Japan, she's a Joshi, and Bitman. And this was like, I don't know what went over me when I booked it. Like, I, I don't know, like like a like an intergender four versus four. Right, right. I can't tell you what was in my mind, but it <laughs> sounded really cool at the time. And there are wrestlers in that match who've gone on to say, even recently, and say, that was the best match I've ever had. They they feel proud to watch that match. And wrestling is like a painting, right? And you can just throw loads of, I mean, I hate to say that. I mean, it's I true. talk about talent, but it's a canvas and you just throw paint on it. And I'm just like, you know, this could work. This could work. As long as everybody's established a bad I mean, heel and face, then I think this should be okay. Yeah, that's one of my favorite matches of all time. Uh, I think it's stand up against like, like anything. I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting for uh, your three star, your two point five star review later. You're like, two point <laughs> five star. <laughs> MA, give, give, give a message to everybody uh, in Chinese right now. Speak some Chinese for everybody listening, and and what you think of MKW and what you plan to do as the champion. 一定要多多关注摔跤，一定要了解摔跤，然后让我们一起去为中国摔跤制造一个更好的市场、更好的环境，让我们看到中国摔跤手走出国门，让我们看到世界的摔跤走进中国，让我们把中国的摔跤做得